0: Hey everybody, I'm Maggie. And I'm Amber. And this is Crime Country. Today, we're in Georgia, right? Georgia peach? Yeah, we're in Georgia. I did no research for this week's podcast, so I don't have any Georgia facts coming at you at the moment.
1: All right. Well, I also don't have any Georgia facts, but I have a Georgia story or two.
0: Sweet. Good enough. Because I don't. <laughs> um, we decided to sell our house in the last week, so... I've been a little busy.
1: Heck yeah. Super busy. Selling a house is hard work,
0: man. Yeah. So while Amber was in town last week, or we have a good friend who's a real estate agent and we don't love the house we live in or the area we're in, so we've talked to him about it and been like, like maybe we want to move soon, the market's crazy, Like we're a little unsure. And he sent us a listing while you were here and was like, this house made me think of you guys. And we were like, yeah, we (laughs) want to see it. So Amber came with us to look at this house and it's pretty cool. Checks a lot of our boxes. So yeah,
1: the property is beautiful and the views are beautiful. And I love that front room area. Yeah, it's
0: so pretty. It's on five acres and it's like in the mountains, but it's still like in the city. You just want like 10 minutes out of the neighborhood and you're in the city, so it's got kind of a little bit of what me and Spencer both want. So we made an offer and they accepted it and we're selling our house now, so. Oh snap, they accepted it? Yeah, so we're like under contract on that house and we listed our house today, which we w- went to town as soon as Amber left, just like decluttering and getting ready and our house listed this morning and we had two showings today and the second one was like as soon as they left our house they contacted our realtor and was like we'll be sending you an offer tonight
1: awesome well hopefully that comes through and it's good and yeah because
0: if not we're gonna have to get a bridge (laughs) loan which sucks because then you have to pay closing costs on the bridge loan and your regular loan and it's an extra several thousand dollars so yeah not ideal so fingers crossed It just sells quick and we don't have to do a bridge loan.
1: Yeah, and especially fingers crossed it sells quick because showing your house is a pain in the mother freaking ass.
0: Yeah, especially with kids and a dog. Like last time we moved, so we've only lived in this house for two and a half years, so last time we moved I was pregnant and I had a like 10 month old and we had two dogs and Spencer was on night shift or I don't know, like something, and so I was just like keeping the house clean and getting the dogs and the baby in the car, figuring out somewhere to go. And that house, the market was starting to go crazy then. And it was a cheaper house, so like lots of interest because there weren't a lot available in the price range. So like literally it was just like six hours I had to go figure out what to do with two dogs and a baby. (laughs) Uh, So at least it hasn't been that crazy for these showings yet, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, so that's not about Georgia. We considered moving out of state for a minute. We were like, what if we just sell our house, see how much money we make off of it, give ourselves X amount of dollars, like move in with Spencer's parents, and then just like travel a bit and see which places we like. Because Arkansas, you can buy five acres and two nice houses for $350,000. What? Yeah one of my mom friends um things, That's freaking but,
1: stupid.
0: Yeah, she shared and it was like, okay, well, we're buying one house on five acres for a lot more money than that, but uh <laughs> we're near our families at least. So then we were like, well what if we just sold our house, saw uh, how much money we made, travel a little, checked out like Oregon and Arkansas, and like just moved away and we could have like no mortgage. So we could just like take the equity from this home and pay off a house in a different part of the world but then it's like then our kids grow up without their cousins and their grandparents and yeah we're not good at making friends obviously so all we have (laughs) is our family so yeah we're staying in Utah but we thought about it for a minute and maybe Georgia would have been an option if we did that that's how I'm trying to tie in Georgia oh okay (laughs) I'm like hmm Georgia alright anyways we're in Georgia this week yeah we are Um, so Amber and I made a funny video while she was in town of us, like, burying a body. It's pretty cute. We did, like, a little photo shoot and made a collage and put it on, like, TikTok and Facebook and stuff. And I, um, I boosted the post on Facebook. So it went to, like, a wider audience to try and get us more listeners, which I don't think <laughs> has really worked, but I tried. Um, yeah but some old guy messaged us
1: oh i saw that and yes, i was you? like i don't know who this is
0: yeah it was just like hello beautiful in response to our boosted video of us burying a dead body It was like <laughs> hey handsome
1: <laughs> so that means dale's totally gonna get all the hits on tinder
0: <laughs> uh, Oh man, I I haven't asked her if she got any funny responses. So my sister came with us. She took the pictures of us, but we took some of her too with the quote unquote dead body. And she put them on her Tinder profile and she was like, I've got a killer personality. I'm dying to meet you or whatever. And made that her Tinder profile. But I don't know if she's gotten any funny responses yet. So I apologize about my voice, everyone. I gave Amber a cold while she was here. And then promptly lost my voice after she left, and now she's on the struggle bus with the mucus throat. So I apologize. So kids yeah. do.
1: It's been fun, but it hasn't been terrible either. So I mean, it's fine. I yeah. think I'm on the the up and up, so should be okay.
0: I think mine just got so bad to the point of me like losing my voice because I caught the cold like right after you got here. And then we were yeah. staying up late and then the girls were waking me up early. So I just like was getting sick and not getting enough sleep to recover. And so my body was just like, Mwah. otherwise, I don't think it would have been. Yeah. As
1: and the fact that we just drank too much and didn't recover, uh, that probably didn't help either of our bodies in fighting this cold.
0: Yeah, for sure not. <laughs> just drink and then drink some more and then drink some more. It was fun shots I know I'm having a drink now, so yeah. you're welcome, Body. Um <laughs> Okay. So Jeff, um, you have anything else? Be-
1: yeah, before I start my story. So we went camping this past weekend. Oh okay, yeah, that was fun. And then when we got back yeah, it was when we got back. It was terrible because while we were gone, we took the dogs with us, right? So Aaron put a bunch of live like rat traps because we've had like some pretty gnarly rats in our backyard, like uh, trying to get the chicken food and whatever. And so he put a bunch of live rat traps out there. And then um he's like, Well, don't let the dogs go in the backyard until I get all the rat traps. But he didn't listen to his own advice and just let the dogs go back there with him. And there was a fucking live rat in one of the rat traps just caught by the tail ah! and Roxy oh no. went and bit it and killed it but then I go back there and I see the poor little rat just like flailing around and it's stuck in the fence of the ki- of the chicken coop I don't and know it's about just
0: like poor little rats cuz they're gross oh. but
1: it's just suffering and it wasn't a little rat it was yeah. big Ugh. but he Mice like, are
0: cute. Rats are disgusting. Oh. I wouldn't. I don't think yeah. I feel that bad about a rat.
1: Yes, but I was just like, oh, because he's just like stuck in the fence and like flailing around still, and then I'm like, oh my god, like put it out of its misery. And Aaron's like, I think Roxy bit it. so
0: It's dying. <laughs> like, oh gosh. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. We. But yeah. I, so I live in a crazy birdhouse, right? Like birds just fly into my <laughs> front of my house every single day. It's fucking insane. But, so, like, every day I'm getting birds flying in front of my house, and there's this huge bang, and they're, like, fucking pigeons, or whatever, and, but then I've been finding all these little dead birds in my yard. Like, when you were here, I found three.
1: Yeah, they were everywhere, under the car, like, on the front porch, patio.
0: Yeah, so, our realtor guy came to put our lock box on and he was like oh there's a dead bird right here i'm gonna move it because that's where the lock oh my god he he didn't put it on the door he put it over by like the water meter thing but i was Uh, like oh thanks another dead bird yes another fucking dead bird and so he was telling me he has like huge dogs he has uh great danes They're ginormous. And he was like, Oh, we had the other day I let the dogs out and one of them ran over and was like sniffing at something and I wasn't really paying attention. And uh then the other dogs were kind of checking out and I was like, What's going on? And there was just this bird and it wasn't dead, it was still moving, but it like had gotten hurt. So I just kind of picked it up and it hung out on my finger for a while. And then when it was feeling better, it just flew away. And I was like, My dog would have killed that bird. So oh, fast. Oh, yeah. Like, so fast. 100%. Two big old Great Danes and a little Jack Russell, and none of them killed it. They just sniffed at it.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. Because, right? yeah, that thing would have no chance with Roxy. Or Jeeves. Jeeves killed
0: three chickens. <laughs> and he's a little
1: Like, Roxy hasn't got the chickens, and she seems to not be interested, which is great because we were terrified that she would just. Annihilate them.
0: Well, but. they were younger chickens, and so they like the full-grown chickens he doesn't fuck with because they're like as big as him. But yeah, they were like mm, teenage chickens. <laughs> and he, he He's like, this hey. is fun. Yeah, he murdered them. Oh, he thought he was playing, but bad news bears. Anyways, that's a really sad dead bird segment of our podcast today. Yeah, and rats, dead
1: animal, rat, <laughs> birds. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to worry about that shit at the new house. There's like coyotes. Um, oh yeah, and there could be like cougars and scorpions and tarantulas and oh, mountain yeah. lions possibly. I guess I already said cougars, bobcats because apparently they're yeah. different than mountain lions. Somebody posted a picture, a video in the neighborhood page saying that there was a bobcat that came up to their door, and it looks like a dog. Like, it's not a super clear video, but it doesn't walk like a cat. It looks like a fucking pit bull. It's got, like, a little nub tail and pointy ears. And it, like, walks up to the door and kind of, like, sniffs it. And then just, like, waddles away like a dog, not like a cat, you know? like Yeah. Didn't look like a bobcat. And they were, like, freaking out. And they were, like, it jumped off the railing 20 feet. And it's, like, weird that wasn't caught on camera. Hmm. Yeah. This fucking Uh, pit bull, like... I don't
1: know. People in those things are so funny. We had someone uh, on our neighborhood thing that posted one. And they were like, there's a, a mountain lion in the neighborhood or something stupid. And then someone comments and was like, um, I'm pretty sure that's like
0: a house cat. <laughs> gonna, so I saw it and I was like, that doesn't look like a fucking bobcat to me. I also don't really know the difference between, like, a mountain lion and a bobcat, but apparently Me bobcats either. are a little bit smaller, and they've got, like, more of a nub tail, but I I don't know. I don't know. But, so I watched the video, and I was like, that looks like a fucking dog. Like, and so I should, I was like, ah. and then I read the comments, and nobody, like, called them out, but it's a pretty small neighborhood. Yeah. So, like, one person was like, hmm, I didn't even know we had bobcats in this area. Or something. Like, it was just like, <laughs> hmm, I don't know about that. But... And then I showed Spencer and he was like, that's a fucking dog. And I was like, I'm going to send it to you so you can tell me if you think it's a dog or a bobcat. Yeah. Because it looks like a dog. For sure. Like a light colored dog. Right. People are funny. People are funny. I hope we have cool neighbors.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. I really enjoy
0: my neighbors though. Yeah. For once. We won't have any very close, but I hope some of them are cool.
1: Yeah. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. A
0: Weird change. Okay. Anyways. Georgia.
1: All right, Georgia. So I'm going to tell you primarily just one story, but it kind of leads into two because um, they happened, like, not necessarily coincidingly, but I got my information from an investigation discovery uh, episode from Detective Diaries. So it's episode one, if anybody wants to watch it. I forget the name of it, but it's the first episode of Detective Diaries. It just came out this year. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, so it was pretty cool, and it was very informative. So basically everything I'm going to tell you came from that episode. I linked some additional articles that I found, like, ahead of time that I was preliminary getting my information from. But then I found the episode, and, of course, I'm like, an episode? Done.
0: I'm funny because I'm like, an episode, fuck yeah, can I find the transcript for it so I can just read it and get through it faster <laughs> than actually watching it? Yeah, I guess that makes sense, but... It's hard sometimes, but I prefer reading the whole episode. I love having an episode, but I want to read it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah it's reading it makes it easier to like go back and make your notes because otherwise like I'm watching the episode and then I'm like into it but then I'm like shit I gotta pause because I gotta take
0: my notes yeah and sometimes they give you the information like out of order so it's like you learn about something and then later on you learn about the person's backstory and you want to give that information up front or whatever so yeah it's it's nice when it's in writing
1: (laughs) yeah so um at the episode and so it's in hogansville georgia where these both of these cases kind of occur so it's not that long ago um the date of the first incident that i'm going to tell you about is august 3rd of 1970 that's
0: and pretty, so, pretty long ago
1: i mean it's not too long ago like it's not like the 20s
0: you know? Yeah, still 50 years.
1: Yeah, I guess that is quite a while ago.
0: I thought you were going to say, like, 2012.
1: (laughs) No, so I guess 1970 is a long time ago, but...
0: Like, our parents were small children. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) All right. It's in the 1900s. It's not an old-timey case.
1: Yeah, it's not super old, but... (laughs) All right. August 3rd, 1970. So... This is going to be an interesting episode for me because I typed up like a whole bunch of notes. Um, so we'll see how, how good I did. Because I didn't kind of uh, re- redo them. I just was like going with it. I it. Um, But I think my notes will be good enough that I can just kind of like recall the stuff because I was pretty interested anyways. So Clay Bryant is the son of the chief of police, Buddy Bryant in 1970. So in 1970, Buddy Bryant, who is Clay Bryant's father, was the chief of police in Hogansville, Georgia. And so Clay, when he was younger, he started going on ride-alongs with his dad. Like by the time he was 12, he started going on ride-alongs and he was just very interested and his dad took him along for the rides, on his calls sometimes, um, all this stuff. So he was- Oh, my God. Sorry. Roxy Uh, got shut in here. Let
0: me let her out. Okay. Okay. So. That's cool. That would be a really fun thing to do as a kid. And I'm picturing like a small town. So it's not like he's seeing super crazy, crazy shit all the time.
1: Yeah. So I think it was probably pretty low key, like you're saying, because it's a smaller town in Georgia. Nothing too intense, nothing too crazy. Um, So he obviously, I mean, felt comfortable taking his son, his young son around with him on the job um however this would all change on august 3rd of 1970 because clay bryant was doing a ride along with his dad on that day when a call came in and so the call comes in and then buddy is like all right well let's go and the call was because they found a woman's body can you hear roxy barking in the
0: background a little bit Okay, I don't know what oh, she's barking at. Probably like that. my kids crying in the background. Okay. It's pretty dim. <laughs>
1: Perfect. Um, So the call that they're going to is because they have found a woman's body at the bottom of a well. And so. But like didn't he I don't know
0: information on the radio? Like maybe you don't bring your kid to the dead body.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they actually gave disclosed the information on the radio. They probably didn't. So I got ahead of myself, but so he gets this call and they're like, all right, well, we'll head over. We'll check it out. And so they get there at the scene of the well and there's people kind of looking around, looking in the well and there's just like, oh, and then obviously they they see stuff and then Clay, he gets out too and they go over there And he's like, what's all the commotion? Why is everybody like interested in this? Well, what's going on here? Uh, So he looks down in the well and the well is dry. So there's no water in it, but it's like pretty deep. And then he sees down there that there is a, a body of a woman. And he describes her as being like in the fetal position down at the bottom and the way from the way he was looking at it, it looked like she was down there, like on her hands and knees, like praying. Uh, and um, So the well that this woman's body was found in was across the street from the, Moors, the Moore home. So the Moors are um, who I'm going to kind of go into more information about because they lived right across the street. It was Gwendolyn Moore and Marshall Moore and they're four children or three three children um so before they even move forward they have this wrecker truck come and it was really like disturbing to say the least um so this wrecker truck is basically the, the, a truck that comes and picks up like totaled cars and it has like the big wire cables that you like hook onto the car and then you like jack them up kind of like a So they were trying
0: to use that like winch. winch to pull the body out of the well? Yeah.
1: Oh god. Yeah. So they have this wrecker truck that they're using and I don't understand how they got it connected to the body down there like if someone went down there and strapped it I don't know how that happened but however they did it yeah. they got this wire from this record truck the cable not wire the big cable like wrapped around the, the woman's body somehow and then they they were able to kind of like pull her out
0: oh my god yeah I It's
1: pretty morbid. Like, that's not the way I would foresee them. And people were still
0: around, like, watching this. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, okay, you're gonna have to use some sort of machinery like that, ultimately, to, like, lift the person out. But, like, clear the scene, put up a tent, and then, like... Yeah,
1: you obviously see that there's a dead body in there. Like, everybody knows what you're pulling out of there.
0: And then, like, put, like something more firm around her and lift that out with her in it. Like, oh, God. Yeah, so it's just wrapped around her, however it's wrapped.
1: I don't know how they did it, but then on the the episode you just see this body, like, just getting pulled out, and like, it's not like they hung it around, like, they, they got it around, like, her midsection or something, or that's how it was displayed on the Episode or whatever.
0: Let's see. So Jesus Christ! Oh my God! Yeah,
1: awful. Oh. So you see him pulling her out, and then like the cable is naturally like twisting and crunching and whatever. So her body is just like spinning around, like slowly, as it's being pulled up out of this well. Oh and God. all these people saw that, and so Clay just remembers this, and he was like, it was like burned into his brain, like, yeah, oh, he's a fucking oh my child. God. And he knew the lady because he knew the kids because he was like the same age as her oldest kid. Yeah. So he's like, oh boy. And then he's just thinking to himself, like, man, what's going to happen to Alan? Because Alan is the oldest son of Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn Moore is the woman that they've found in this well. She's the woman that they've pulled out. Um,
0: And so, like, there are so many what the fucks in this story already. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, buddy? The officer buddy. Right. Like, um, you know there's a body. You get your kid the fuck out of there before you lift the body out of the well. And what the fuck? All of the police officers, clear the scene. Make people leave. Don't just dangle a dead body in the air in front of the home where, like, her kid's friends can see. What the uh, fuck? Oh, my yeah. God.
1: So, pretty... Pretty interesting situation and how they handled it, but um, so that happens, and then they're like, okay, like they they go on about their business, um, kind of put things together at the scene, and then they're like, all right, let's see what we what we got going on here, and so unfortunately, this site was just outside of Buddy Bryant's jurisdiction, so he couldn't kind of pursue the case. It was, It fell in the um, Troop County, Georgia. It fell in their jurisdiction. So Sheriff, um, I forget his first name, but his name was Sheriff Bailey. So he was uh, the sheriff at the time in Troop County, Georgia. And no one really knows what completely went into this investigation.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: But literally like pretty quickly after this all happened um he rules the death and accidental death and closes the case and um people are like what the fuck yeah but he's the big old mighty sheriff and um they explained in the episode something about like he had so much power and whatever like because of I forget how they explained it, but basically, it was just, like, he could pretty much do whatever he wanted. There was nobody that he had to answer to or nobody that he had to get permission or or run anything by. It was just, like, whatever he said went.
0: Yeah, it was the 1970s, so they just kind of stuck to their own jurisdiction. Unless there was, like, real probable cause for, like, the federal government to get involved Right. And that was kind of it. That sucks.
1: Yeah. So obviously, this really bothered Buddy because he knew he was like, no fucking way. Like, this was not an accident. His mom just didn't like
0: fall in this well and die.
1: Yeah. And he's like, no, I, from the get go, Buddy was like, this was not an accident. There was some sort of foul play and I'll, we'll get into more details as why it was so obvious that there was foul play and this was not an accident and they knew who was responsible for this, but nothing came of it because he was
0: probably friends with he, the fucking sheriff. Yeah, because sheriff he Bailey.
1: he couldn't do anything because it was out of his jurisdiction and the sheriff's call was the final call. So That's
0: infuriating.
1: Yeah super, super infuriating because apparently it was only just like a hundred yards out of his jurisdiction. Like, nothing crazy, like, so close.
0: Literally on the county line. Yeah. Literally
1: on the cusp of his jurisdiction. But he just had to let it go and he couldn't, there was absolutely nothing he could do about it. I mean, he could have fought and fought and, like, tried. But when it came down to it, the sheriff was just like, nope, case closed. We're done here. Sorry. Bye, pal.
0: That's disgusting.
1: Yeah. So um, terrible thing that he had to just live with for the rest of his life. And obviously his, his son, Clay, was like, oh, my God. And he had been kind of riding along with his dad. He knew probably at that point, like, he wanted to be in law enforcement. He wanted to fall in his to fall, follow in his father's footsteps. All that good stuff. But he was only 15 at the time. So he was 15 when this incident happened. Uh, And he was just like, man, that's a, a tough break for this case. And he really knew how much it bothered his father and a lot of people for that matter, because there were so many people that were just like, no.
0: Yeah, she was murdered and nothing's been done about it. Great.
1: Yeah. And she was only 30 years old. Oh my God. She was only 30 and she had been married. Um, she had
0: like a 15 year old. Yeah. That's so crazy. That's I
1: think rough. they got married real young when she was 15. And then they probably obviously started having babies immediately. And or they, they got
0: married because she was pregnant. One of the two, probably. Yeah. But that was back in like 55. So that makes more sense.
1: Yeah. So um, August 18th, 1980, Clay's father passes away. The buddy passed away in 1980, and Clay was only 25 at this point, Um, but
0: super young to lose his dad. Um, His dad was probably relatively young, too.
1: Yeah, I didn't actually, none of the episodes ever said, um, they didn't even say, like, how old he was when he died, and if they, when he died, and if they did, I did not retain that. Yeah, (laughs) but if he
0: only has a 25-year-old, he's probably yeah not yeah, very he's old. Not old unless he has like, like eight kids and 25 year old's is youngest <laughs> yeah and then maybe he's 70 like i don't know.
1: yeah i don't think he was very old though yeah, that's um funny. so clay was only 25 at this point but he'd been part of the force since he was old enough to join so when he i think when he turned like 18 he started working there And then he moved to a different department when he was 21. And then by the time he was 25, when his father passed away, um, Clay became the chief of police in Hogansville and took his father's place. Um, I mean, and I don't know kind of what the average is, but I feel like 25 is pretty young for a chief of police. Like, that's
0: pretty impressive. It sounds like small town business, too. Like, his dad dies and he just becomes the chief. Like, maybe there wasn't a lot of other officers to pick from. Yeah, true, true that. Um, so then
1: Clay goes on and he is a, he's the chief of police in Hoganville for 12 years. Um, but he decides after 12 years in 1992, he is going to resign as the chief of police. Um, I guess it just kind of wasn't bringing him the joy he wanted or
0: the outcome. It was just hard um, well, on him understand. mentally hit the end of his road and his like advancements in that department as well. And yeah. he's 37 at this point. And he's like, okay, so I just do this and never advance for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I get that like, for sure.
1: So he um opened his own business at that point and it was like a commercial tire shop. So he was like, yeah, this was great. I made great money. I made the most money I ever made in my life, but he realized while he was doing that he's like this isn't this isn't me like he so missed silly. the police force and his work there so he's just like "Eh." so in the midst of all that stuff um there was like a district attorney office uh investigator position that opened and he ended up applying for the job and he did get the job so he was excited about that and After only nine days of starting this new job, he gets a call from uh, the sheriff's office and it's from a man named Larry Arrington and he's looking into some cases now at this point. And so he calls up Clay Bryant and he's like, hey, uh, do you know anything about the Gwendolyn Moore case? And He's like, "Oh yeah, he's like, I know quite a bit about that. I was actually there the day they found her body." And so he's like intrigued. And so the guys like, "Hey, we had a young lady that came and gave us a tip. She actually found a death certificate for Miss Gwendolyn Moore." And he's like, "Would you be willing to like take a look at it?" And so Larry's like, "Okay, perfect." And Clay's like, send it over so he faxes it faxes it over larry faxes the death certificate over to clay to review um and he's just like i think you're you're gonna find this real interesting and so the fax that clay received was on october 24th of 2002 so years have gone by so many yeah years um and when he gets this fax he says on the episode he's like the first thing that someone looks at a fact on a fax is probably not like the timestamp or whatever. He's like, but that was the first thing that I looked at. And this fax was dated October 24th, 2002. And this was a huge coincidence because his father's birthday was October 24th. Oh. So he gets this fax and he was at the scene of the crime or of the yeah of the crime when this um, happened with his dad and then all of a sudden on his birthday this death certificate is presented for for this case that his father was never able to set right so clay's like i need to set this right like i need to do this
0: this is is a sign my dad knew this case was wrong he never could get justice i'm gonna do get justice that's nice yeah
1: exactly."
0: fucking so 32 years later
1: right freaking nuts man years went by and like it was just all now. yeah
0: that's crazy
1: all swept under the rug until then and then they're like hey um this lady came forward so the woman that came forward was actually gwendolyn um moore's great niece and she obviously had some doubts about the information that she had on the case and i don't know how how old she was when it the murder happened or um the accidental death happened or whatever uh but anyways she gets curious and she's like this isn't right so she starts poking around trying to find things um any little bit of evidence or anything that can point them in the right direction to kind of just get some more closure or clarification because they are just Not set like feeling right about this being an accidental death. Like there's no way, given the past of the family and what she finds on this death certificate. Well, and if
0: everybody in the town that Clay and Buddy lived in was like this isn't right, then I'm sure the rumor mills were going crazy. And so she heard those her entire life. She felt weird about it. She had internal family gossip because. That's part of being a family. You know the dirty details and people's personalities and shit. So good for her.
1: Right. So good on her for sure because she found this death certificate and it was actually marked as a homicide. It was not marked as an accident. What? Yeah. So how the hell did the sheriff just say it was an accidental death and close the case when the death certificate is marked as a homicide?
0: So the mortician was like, this lady was murdered, and the sheriff's just like, nope, accident, case closed, no further yep. inquiries needed, Bye. Basically. That's bullshit. Yeah, freaking horseshit, man. Wow, good for this great niece. Yeah, because that's huge. Yeah, it sucks no one found that in the last 32 years. No kidding, Fuck. right? Like, it's
1: insane, but... I mean, I guess you just got to find that one person that's willing to just not like take no for an answer and be like, no, this is wrong. Something's wrong. It's sad I'm going to get to the bottom of it.
0: In so many cases. It's yeah. just one person it, fighting for years and years and years for justice.
1: And good on that one person that sticks through and just like deals with all of the the battle of yeah. like trying to get answers and just the disappointment of not getting answers but still continuing yeah, to look into it of,
0: like never knowing if you will get answers and like yeah the emotional turmoil because it's like I don't, oh. I don't think I have the personality for that unless it was like one of my immediate family members you know like then maybe right. I would want justice so badly but I feel like in most cases I would just be like I can't live my life this unhappy When I'm never going to get answers anyways, I just need to come to peace with this no matter what. But maybe if it was, like, one of my babies or something, I'd be like, nope, fuck that shit. I'll fight for justice till my dying day. But, like,
1: that's crazy. Yeah. So this death certificate also indicated that there were a lot of injuries. There was evidence of repeated abuse. She had blows to the head. She had been hit in the head with a liquor bottle. Ugh. She actually got stitches in her head from um, when she was hit with a liquor bottle. And this was just six days before um, she was beaten in the left eye and the mouth with a fist. And this incident, this the fist incident happened the day before she was found in the well. So, so obviously
0: her husband did it.
1: Yes, so, (laughs) and it's been known around the town that Marshall Moore, her husband, has been very abusive, abusive to her, abusive to her children, like, they are in a tumultuous relationship, it is not well, and, like, not the saddest, because this whole thing is sad, I always say that, and then I'm like, this isn't really the saddest, because this is all awful, but, um, the neighbors, people in this town, everybody knew that this abuse was going on, and no one did anything about it because if they did call one sheriff's office, they're like, "Oh, well, that's out of our jurisdiction." So basically, we just turn a blind eye. That's not our business. Basically, that's the rundown that yeah. that's some people got.
0: And obviously, and, the other sheriff's department didn't give a shit because they were yeah. buddies with Marshall or whatever. Right. Ugh, so. Ugh. That's um, so frustrating. And she was so young. Yeah. 30 she, years old. She, she had a like 14, 15 year old kid. So she's been yeah. with her abuser since she was a child. Since she was yeah. a teenage girl. She had probably never finished high school. She probably had no. I mean, and back in the 70s. I mean, she was raised in the 50s. Yeah. The man was the provider. You kind of just did what he said. So she probably just felt like she had no out. She couldn't leave her kids at that point. She had three with her abuser. So she had to try and stay to protect them. Like what a terrible trapped situation for a young woman. And what a just sad life that ended so young and so tragically.
1: Yeah. Freaking awful. So it's just like with this death certificate and all of these injuries listed and indicated, and just the fact that everybody knew about the the family and this abuse that was happening like daily, just for no reason. Um, Like how was Marshall Moore not prosecuted? How was he just not basically even
0: investigated. like. Like yeah. not even looked into a little bit. <sighs> yeah.
1: Cause it, Everything was there. The evidence was there, but no one pursued it to any degree Fuck at all.
0: Sheriff Bailey. Yeah.
1: Fuck Sheriff Bailey, not a fan. Yeah. Um, so now that Clay has this information, his next step is to interview Marshall Moore. However, before he goes and does this interview with marshall moore before he even approaches that he wants to make sure that he has a very very good understanding of this case of the background and he wants to make sure that he knows so much that marshall like will not expect him to know all the things that he knows and he can kind of
0: catch marshall in his lies
1: Yeah. So he's like, all right, I got to get to work because this guy's getting a little bit older and I need to put the nail in this coffin because this guy is a murderer and he has gotten away with it for far too long. So, okay. So Clay Bryant knows that he wants to start with Alan Moore, the oldest daughter or oldest daughter, oldest son of Gwendolyn Moore um the woman that was that was found dead in the in the well. So no one has talked to Alan since 1970 about this case. So, well, like in general, like he's just like after this case happened, he basically left and abandoned his well, I'll tell not really more details, but I touch on this later on in my story. Um okay. after this happened, he basically kind of left to live with his aunt, and he left his younger siblings with his dad, and um, like never went back. He hasn't talked to his brothers. He hasn't talked to them at all. That's um. So he kind of just
0: disappeared and went on and did his own thing. Well, because obviously the dad was also abusive to the children. Yes, he um, knew his I, dad did it. Yeah, that's um, fucking tragic. I'll let you tell the
1: story. Sorry, that's freaking awful. Yeah. Um, and I will touch more on it later on down the road in my notes. Um, so Clay calls Alan and he's like, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so, yada, yada. And Alan actually remembers him because obviously they were around the same age. They were childhood friends, basically. And because uh, they grew up in the same neighborhood, same town, all that stuff. And so they kind of started reminiscing, whatever, having a conversation, talking about the old days. And then obviously, eventually it got to the hard stuff. And Clay's like, well, you know, I actually wanted to call you because I do want to kind of talk to you about uh, your mother and her murder. And I don't know exactly how he approached. I don't think he said murder, but was like you're, her um, death. <laughs> he was. Yeah, he was probably a little bit more gracious about it and uh so alan agrees to meet up with clay and clay's like yeah let's meet up i i don't really want to talk this stuff over the phone i want to meet face to face i want to have a conversation with you um yada yada so they schedule a meetup, and then alan and clay meet up so alan describes the day his mother died and he's on the episode of detective diaries and it's just heartbreaking um, yeah. just how emotional he gets, and how how this has like how he's dealt with this and lived with this his whole life, and how like you can just feel the emotion and just see it on his face. Like he's a pretty stoic guy, but you can just tell like this thing, this whole situation, obviously
0: broke him. I can't even imagine. Like I, I and and when something like that happens to you in that age range. It can yeah. derail your entire future. You hear about right? something tragic happening to preteens and teenagers, and then, like, they go down the worst path in life and become, like, drug addicts to cope with the fucking shit they were handed. Yeah. Or, you know, who knows what. And it's like, well, like, your sibling was fine, and it was, like, because they weren't in the vulnerable age range. Right. They didn't experience it like I did or whatever. So it's just... And then, and then not to have like a mother figure and just have like an abusive dad and be uprooted, even if you leave to go live with another family member. It's like your whole life, you just have to deal with knowing your dad killed your mom and no one cared.
1: Yeah. And there was nothing you could do about it. And it, it gets even more frustrating. Um, the more I tell you about this case, it gets even more frustrating and awful. Great. Um, so, spoiler alert. Sorry, hate to break it to you. If you're already not interested, or you're just over this and you don't want to hear more, uh, now's a good time to to get out. But you're not gonna know the end. So, if you're
0: already bummed out, it gets better and by that. We no, it does worse. get
1: it does get better at the end, but it gets worse first.
0: Because we have Clay, and Clay's fighting for justice.
1: No, and Clay is awesome. Um, he actually wrote a book about this case and some other cases that he has solved. Um, and I actually want to read them. I, w- I almost bought it, but I was like, I can't read that fast. But people are like, I couldn't put it down. I read it in a day. And I'm like, well, I'm a little bit of a slow reader, but uh so I didn't get the book, but I'm probably going to. Even though I already did my write-up and my story and all that, I probably will still get the book just because it has really great reviews. And this guy is just like from the episode; he's just like a stand-up dude, and he had such a good reputation and
0: yeah, so on and so like forth. A goddamn hero!
1: Yeah. So, um, I don't remember what the book is called. Let me find out. I have it in one of my sources. Um. The book is called, oh man, I'm getting click happy over here and I just clicked on a stupid coupon and it's called Solving the West Georgia Murder of Gwendolyn Moore, A Cry from the Well. Um, So if anybody's interested in reading that book or um, whatever the case might be, they sell it at bookstores, Amazon, Amazon. Uh, this is not an ad. I'm just telling you that. We just because like, I... play cause
0: he's a hero.
1: So. Yeah. So I haven't read the book yet, but I plan to because uh, I don't think it's too terribly long. I mean, people have said that they couldn't put it down and they read it in a day. So if you've got the time. <laughs> uh, anyways, moving on. So Alan, you can tell like this really, I mean, who wouldn't be just mortified and just wrecked by this and like it's not easy to deal with for yeah. anybody and never would be easy More to deal with you know yeah Yeah, and just bringing up all of these old opening all these old wounds that were sort of closed but not really you well, know it's because
0: 30 years later so he had his coping mechanisms down at least and like yeah, he had to come to terms with the fact that he didn't have a relationship with any of his immediate family which right. would be hard to do like it's awfully hard yeah as an adult you just kind of reassess things and it's like why 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 me yeah like why is it so much easier for everybody else why you know like you just question Mm -hmm. certain things in your past in a totally different way when you grow up and then so I'm sure he's dealt with a lot of that and now it's like reopening that and like thinking about like well what could I have done to make it different and yeah is it worth me doing those things now to try and heal old wounds for myself or is that going to hurt more people like yeah like do i need to dig up this fucking trauma or not
1: right <laughs> so um he goes on on the episode and he just like explains like his mother was just such a loving mother she had the biggest heart and she was always so caring for everybody she was such a selfless person and i mean you can obviously know that she was a selfless person um just because of how she tried to, well, she didn't try to care for her children. She cared for her children, but she she was in an abusive, yeah, yeah, she was just in an abusive relationship. Um, So unfortunately, I mean, she suffered majority of the abuse, but um, it did trickle down to the children. I don't know how much of the younger children, but it did trickle down to Alan um, and all of that. so. Alan says I that... And down
0: plenty. An abuser doesn't <laughs> stop abusing after they murder.
1: Like, <laughs> Yeah. So Alan says if daddy came home and supper wasn't what he wanted, that was just another reason to beat up mom. So literally it was just anything that made him even the slightest bit cranky or annoyed. Uh, she would just be beaten. So um the night before uh they were they found her the next day alan said that his mother was beaten so bad that she couldn't even get out of bed so the kids all went up there and they told her how much they loved her and that they cried all night and they cried all night long um and they just they were helpless you know they were children they yeah. couldn't do anything they just wanted to comfort her and. That's all they could do.
0: That so breaks my heart. Oh my God.
1: Yeah. So freaking awful. Um. And then Alan also says that he got some of the beatings. You know, he got whipped with a dog chain, a hose pipe, um, just multiple different things. Oh and then God. uh, one time he was beaten so badly, he like basically passed out from the pain. And so he says that when he came to, his mother was just sitting there with a bowl of water, just, like, tending to his wounds because um, he was just bloody and in so much pain, and she's just sitting there, like, tending to the wounds and trying to comfort him the best that she could. Um,
0: that literally makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, it's
1: Fuck not... Fuck Mark
0: Fuck that. Yeah, he's, he's a piece
1: of shit. Um, and so now... One of the worst parts about this is, like I said, the neighbors knew about these beatings, you know. They obviously heard it. They saw it. um, But they just seemed to turn a blind eye. And like I said earlier, one of them may have attempted to call the police, but the police were like, that's out of my jurisdiction, you know, yada, yada, whatever. Yeah, so... um, Um,
0: Hopefully, in this day and age... That wouldn't be the case, but... Hopefully. Unfortunately, a lot of people have the um, someone else will do something about it syndrome. Yes, I can't think of 100%. Of and I, it, it's hard not to feel that way, you know? Like, I'm not sure what I'm seeing. If something's really wrong, someone will do something about it. Right. And then just and they assume someone yeah. else is going to do the right thing.
1: That's, a definite, that's definitely a common thing. and. Absolutely. Uh, So the night before Gwen was found in the well, uh, Alan actually saw her under the neighbor's porch because she would go over there to hide. And this, this happened on multiple occasions. She would go under the neighbor's house to hide. Um, So he, he sees her under there and her eyes were nearly swollen shut. Her face was black and blue. He could just see that she was in a lot of pain. It was dark. So he was pretty certain she was just covered in blood, but he couldn't see for sure. And when he saw her, he tried to get his mother to go with him. And he was like, Mom, it's fine. Like, we'll just walk down the street and we'll just we'll just get away. We'll just get away from it all. And she was just so scared. and in pain. And I don't know what else was going through her mind at that, that point, but she was just like, no, no, like that won't do. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to leave for a little bit, but I promise I'm going to come back for you and, and your brothers. I'm going to come back, but you just have to leave me here and I'm going to come back for you. And so, um, she says, you need to go home and you need to watch your brothers that, that she'll come later. And then Obviously, Alan, it hurt him to to see her like that, to leave her. He didn't want to. But, I mean, he I obeyed her wishes and was like, child, okay, yeah. mom, I love you. And, like, he hugged her. And he said that he actually ended up hurting her when he hugged her because she was just so beaten up and just so in so much pain. Like, it hurt her for him to hug her. Um Ugh. And so that was awful. The story is so sad. Yeah. So um, Alan, like I said, he follows his mom's wishes and leaves her. And he goes back to tend to his brothers. And then he just expresses like after this, the final resort of, of what ends up happening. He's just carrying this guilt that that his entire life of you know he could have done more what if he would have just made his mom go like this and that but he
0: couldn't have like he couldn't have made his mom like
1: right what is, what what are you going to do but of course you know that's a a thing that happens you know that's just where people's minds go like yeah
0: no it would be hard not to especially being like i tried and i could have just tried harder to make her listen sort of thing but yeah <sighs> it's just Abuse is a weird cycle and I feel so bad for this poor young woman because she was young. 30's not old. So young. But this so start is- she was in her teens. Like she it literally she was with him for 15 years at least because they yeah. had a fucking 15 year old or maybe he was on the young end and he was 14 but like yeah. fuck. Ugh.
1: I know. I can't imagine what her entire life adult life was like yeah um so again like okay so alan's been carrying this guilt like his entire life but you know there was nothing that he could have done nothing more he could have done but it's just a shame because there is there are things that other people could have done they could have reported these things they could have i mean I guess they were in a in between a rock and a hard place because they were just on this certain area of town that was just like just outside of this jurisdiction, but this jurisdiction didn't give a fuck about nothing.
0: Oh, I still feel like <laughs> someone could have pushed harder. You know, like the yeah. jurisdiction that cared could have pushed harder. They could have ordered the death. They could have went outside. Yeah, they could have seen what the morti- mortician at least had to say, or they could have hired a private investigator. And then just had some sort of proof to back up them investigating it further or reaching out to the federal government or, you know, like the DA's office or something like it is a simpler time. But it's still the fucking 70s. It's not that long ago. Like Yeah. Everybody knew she was murdered. It just seems like yes. someone, an adult, could have done more. And it's tragic that they didn't.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um. What had ended up happening is basically like, I'm assuming Sheriff Bailey's office or Sheriff Bailey himself came and talked to Marshall Moore um, initially after this had all happened. Apparently, or no, it wasn't Marshall. It wasn't Sheriff Bailey. It was was another officer that like did the interview um, because he was in the, the show. I don't recall his name, but he basically said he spoke with marshall moore for probably about 10 minutes you know he asked him the questions that he needed to ask him and based on his responses he was just like no all right you know like you told me what i needed to know this
0: and that and then what about apparently... the fucking body you fucking moron
1: yeah jesus Christ, or the reports of
0: abuse or what neighbors had to say or what the children had to say jesus fucking christ
1: yeah, so it was a pretty simple interview, and he was like, cool, you're clear to go. But apparently, at some point, there was a lie detector test that um, Marshall had to take. And again, I don't know what questions were asked, but according to the documents or whatever that were kind of not necessarily published, I don't think that's the right word to say, but mm-hmm. according to the documents for this case... um based on the lie detector, there was no sign of like deception. So the Georgia Bureau of Investigation closed the case. And then <sighs> that was that was it. So uh there was obviously, as we know, more than enough evidence to convict this man.
0: Yeah. More. Yeah. The body was horribly beaten.
1: Yeah. And dumped
0: in a well. More not than enough evidence. An accident. Ugh. And like I can't believe that detective or that officer came on the show. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, He's but
0: like, I did my job. He,
1: <laughs> exactly. He stood his ground and he was just like, "Well, I asked the questions I needed to ask. There was no reason for me to think anything different, you know, blah blah blah." He said what? Report. I needed him to do uh I don't know. So, who knows how how that guy sleeps at night, but I don't know. Probably a th- <clears> um, <throat> so up his- butthole <laughs> yeah like a so, baby
0: with a thumb up his oh butthole boy. instead <laughs> he fucking deserves uh, a thumb on
1: yeah pretty much fuck that officer um, yeah so and the another crazy thing that is like just mind-blowing uh when they spoke with alan alan told them hey, you need to look at my dad. He killed my mom. Like, he killed my mom. This was my dad. You need to look at him. And that came from his son. That Gwendolyn's was Gwendolyn's oldest daughter. Hey. Or, oh, I keep calling, saying Gwendolyn's oldest daughter, and I do not know why, because <laughs> it's clearly her son. But I don't know why I keep saying that. So forgive me, everybody that's listening. Um, it's fine. It's her oldest son.
0: But this poor kid thought he was gonna die you know he thought he was next on the list of oh yeah people that was gonna die like he's like my dad did this and he's gonna do it to me if you guys don't fucking stop that's exactly
1: him. that's exactly what he said too he was like look he killed my mom and if he has any indication that i'm talking to you and i'm trying to tell you all these things he's gonna kill me next too oh,
0: you guys don't care then I have to leave, or he's gonna kill me like he did my mother. Like, yeah, that poor ch- kid, that poor man. That, uh, I just want exactly. to hug. Exactly. I just want to hug Glenn and I want to hug Alan. Like, poor babies.
1: Yeah. So obviously. I mean, Alan, he's 14 or 15 or however old at this point, yeah. and he just knows, like, the violence against him is never going to end, so after the, the close of this case, he, like I said before, he left. He stayed with his aunt, and um, he, didn't, he didn't have contact with his dad, his brothers, uh, any of that, like, after the fact, and then as soon as he was old enough, he joined the Navy, and um, and he said that that was one of the the best things that he could have done for himself. So he really enjoyed that. Um, and then his younger brother stayed with his stayed with their dad. Um, and Alan's like in the in the interview on the episode, he's like, I don't, I don't even know the last time I talked to my my brothers. I don't know. And like he's a, he's an older man now, like yeah,
0: no. gray haired and everything. I mean, if he was. 15 when his mom died and clay opens this investigation in 2002 that's 32 yeah. years later so he's 47 when the investigation got reopened in 2002 yeah so when they <clears throat> filmed this in 2020 yeah, yeah he's almost 60
1: yeah so gosh uh yeah and he still to that day hadn't and talk to his brothers which is sad i hope that his brothers are fine and um, i mean i'm sure there was some abuse maybe probably but yeah hopefully hopefully not
0: you hear weird situations with abuse where like
1: the young ones are fine
0: or whatever yeah. they
1: pick one child and
0: yeah like a child called it but yep in that case both parents were abusive so it's not like he yeah. was the mom and the oldest son and leaving the other two and then didn't need a punching bag after the older two were gone. So they had to have some yeah. sort of abuse.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'd am i be curious to know,
0: but that's sad. I hope not. I hope not yeah. for their sake. I hope right. they just think their brother's crazy or something and they had a happy childhood just for their own Hopefully. sake. But I highly doubt it. But maybe they're brainwashed and don't think the abuse is that bad or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That's sad.
1: Because that's definitely part of it, the brainwash, because even Alan was like, one of the comments he said in his interview, he's like, we started to think like, were we doing something wrong? Like, is this normal? Like, why is our family like this? Like, is this just how how life is? Like,
0: there's a lot of kids that come from abusive homes that like, don't realize there's something really wrong. Like, they kind of like, aren't. They, they they walk on fucking eggshells at home and then they yeah. go to a friend's house and they like accidentally spill something or their friend does They're like, does, oh God, they, I'm so like, sorry. Oh, oh my God. Like, huh they freak out and everyone's like, it's fine. Like, this is yeah. literally not a big deal. And then they're like, oh, we are not normal. Fuck. Like, it's... it's <laughs> yeah. Your brain works to protect you and you don't know what normal is. You're a child. Your parents are right. supposed to protect you. Abuse is fucking just... It's just so upsetting to me.
1: Yeah, it's an awful topic um, and just a terrible thing that exists and will continue to exist, unfortunately. For
0: I literally can't imagine either. Like, I, I can't
1: imagine. Yeah. Um, so the when this all went down, Alan, obviously, he didn't only lose his mother that day. He lost his father and his brothers. He That's lost funny. his entire immediate family that
0: day i'm surprised he didn't spiral into addiction
1: yeah thankfully he stayed above that i mean but he found a new family in the navy yeah um so thankfully like everything went well and his life wasn't completely ruined i mean obviously he has to deal with like this shitty thing that happened and he has to be reminded of it and oh yeah
0: no i'm not saying it's a good replacement Right, but no. I, he found I wasn't stability. assuming <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he he lost his entire family. He grew up yeah. without yeah. a mom or siblings or any family dinners or you know, like people you share right. big things with, people to go back home to. I don't know. Ugh, fucking tragic. Yeah,
1: so um, tough break, man. Like that sucks, but again thankfully that worked out for him. He stayed on the up and up. Obviously he throughout the years, I'm sure he battled plenty of demons and whatever the case might be. But um, so when Clay Bryant is kind of looking into this case, obviously, he wants to try and contact anybody who had part in this case. And of course, uh, Sheriff Bailey, he died in the 80s. So he couldn't be interviewed. He was passed away at this point. So um, So he went to go look into like the case files or whatever they had. But apparently there was really nothing, um, like no case file.
0: Yeah. So, because there was no murder um, investigation. So they didn't keep it because there was no reason to. It yeah. Was so death. Why would they even keep those records for 32 years or whatever?
1: Yeah, that's true. So he ends up working with the, uh, GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, um, And they had just a half a dozen, like, short interviews that they still had on on the books. Um, So in these interviews or whatever, the night before um, Gwendolyn's body was found in the well, Marshall admitted that he slapped her that night and the night before. Um, And then, as mentioned earlier, he was given the lie detector test. But since there was no deception, he was all... Let he was go. A fucking I already said that.
0: <clears throat> what What about uh, uh the stitches she got six days before from the bottle being bashed on her fucking face? What about right? that fucking Marshall? Ugh, like it's so yeah. fucking obvious. And apparently
1: tragic. that just got swept right under the rug. Um, so just three months after Gwendolyn Moore's death, Marshall gets remarried. Only three months after her death. cool 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 yeah so he marries um Priscilla Shepard and Priscilla comes from a well off family and they were the Dixie Mafia and the episode like had a little blurb about the Dixie Mafia and kind of their um hold on things and whatever but I didn't take those notes down um but anyways her what the cons- not consum- the consensus is here is basically like obviously they got married 3 months after Gwen died that's not a lot of time and priscilla um her family is affiliated with this mafia so they used the assumption is that they used mafia ties to sway the outcome of this case because the mafia at that time basically controlled the sheriff so since they had that much power they believe well clay believes and many other people believes that that definitely played a part in the the outcome of the case of him just getting the lie detector oh you're uh, good bye um that
0: makes sense yeah he married somebody <laughs> with connections that could yeah. put everybody else in the dirt so yeah very cool
1: and so, I, I mean, Priscilla wasn't going to have to be any part of it because because of her connections and her family. She wasn't going to have to lift a finger because the mafia was going to act on her behalf and make sure that her husband wasn't taken away from her and spent the rest of life, his life. Like, she's prison.
0: his next fucking victim. Like, are you fucking? I mean, they would have murdered him, but. Well, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Fuck Sheriff Bailey. Fuck the Dixie Mafia. If you're still out there, I don't really mean it. Please don't come after me. I, love I live in Utah. <laughs> you don't exist here. I have the Mormon mafia behind me, maybe. I don't know. Um, no, they don't yeah. like me either. I have no mafia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but fuck that bullshit. He was a murderer. He could have killed Priscilla, too. Um, yeah. So I have several comments to interject at the moment. Uh, hey. I just got a text from my realtor. So our house listed today. We got two showings. We just got our first offer. It's for ten thousand dollars over our asking price. And what? they're moving up all the closing dates so we don't have to worry about having a bridge loan. And um they, they just want to get everything done as soon as possible and just like seal the deal on our house. Heck yeah, that's amazing. So party over here. That's Heck like yeah. a huge fucking deal. Like that is a going huge in, deal. offering 10 grand over asking. And moving up the deadlines because I think he told the realtor, like, we're trying to get this done quickly to avoid the bridge loan. And they're like, we'll move up all the deadlines. We'll do it ASAP. We want this fucking house. So I don't think they have to worry about selling a house. So fuck yeah. I just got some really good news, like, while you were telling me this horrible story. And I was like half reading these texts and I was like, (laughs) fuck Sheriff Bailey, but fuck
1: yeah. (laughs) Heck yeah. No, that's super exciting because dealing with a bridge loan and all that just sounds like a nightmare so if you don't have to deal with that and these people are like ready and like yeah let me in that house
0: yeah yeah. like legit the bridge loan and closing costs and everything would cost us an additional like eight thousand dollars Ooh, yeah no thanks yeah 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 like tops but still like that's a fucking lot of money so i just got some really good news um that's fantastic (laughs) yeah that's freaking amazing this this process has just been like bam so we've had a lot of luck in real estate uh all of our real estate moves have just worked out really well for us knock on all of the wood Uh, (laughs) uh, um also we're probably gonna get another offer from the only other people that came and looked at our home today dang and like should we wait for more money <laughs> no no we shouldn't let um, me be pushing it anyways sorry total sidetracked but it was, like really weird timing for fantastic news to come in back to the story so Priscilla is an uh, important name in my life because that's my mother-in-law's name and she is a wonderful human being She is to death. also the worst call I ever received in customer service was a woman named Priscilla she was a fucking monster monster. She Ugh. was the one who I was like, okay, and she was like, "Okay, what is okay about this situation?" And I was like, "Nothing, man. I was just acknowledging that I I, I heard what you're saying to me." And she's like, "And you're too stupid to think of any other active listening words." And I was like, "Oh my gosh. I guess so. <laughs> Can I just give you your money back now? Thank you." So yeah.
1: you're like I'm a human being too, you fucking asshole. And,
0: she was, and the tr- call got transferred to me, and they were like, "Don't say okay," and I was like, "Oh, okay." okay. <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Oh no." Uh, and they were That's right. the worst. Uh, <laughs> And so like I said it once and she freaked out and I was like, sorry, I didn't mean that. I just want to acknowledge that I was listening. And I was just like, no, sorry, it's not okay. And so then she like kept ranting and I, it was all stuff I was aware of. I literally was just trying yeah. to get a credit card number from her to give her a full refund a second time because we oh, already gosh. gave her a full refund to the card she purchased the thing with. And she said she didn't have that card anymore. And she was such a. Oh, monster. of course she didn't. We were just refunding it a second time to a new card, so all I needed was her card number. But she went on the whole rant. I knew the whole situation, and she just wanted to rant and scream and call people stupid. And so I was just yeah. listening to her rant, listening to. And she took like a pause to like make sure I was still there. So I was like, okay. And yes, she no, bitch! Out. I hung
1: up on you for being <laughs>
0: uh, belligerent. Yeah. So she freaked out on me for saying okay, and I was just like, I'm sorry. And so she went on her rant again, and I said okay. And she was like, okay, what is okay about this situation? And that's when I was like, I'm just acknowledging I'm listening to you. And she was like, and you're too stupid to think of any other active listening words. And I was like, I guess so. Can I please get your credit card number from you to issue this refund to you a second time? And she was like, and then she gave me your credit card number. And I was like, okay, can I repeat that back to you to make sure I got it right? And she was like, Pause, pause, pause. Well, I'd be stupid not to let you. <laughs> oh, my like, gosh. All right. So I repeated it. And I just started saying all right instead of okay. Um And I, all right. and I was like, okay, that'll be issued in the next five to seven business days. So okay. Right. And I was like... <laughs> Is there anything else I can do for you today? Because I just like went, you know, so far beyond her ridiculousness to like back to pleasant. And I yeah. Just like, Is there anything else I can help you with today? And she was like, go die and hung up on me. And I was just like, okay you're like all oh, right okay, lady ma'am.
1: you you've got some issues thank you for beating me up for those issues yeah, this yeah. was wonderful this was a great experience thank you so much
0: for your 80 dollars. fantastic so priscilla's yeah. run the full end of the spectrums in my life my fantastic yeah. mother-in-law and this is the worst customer i've ever dealt with in my entire life so I'm guessing Priscilla in the Dixie Mafia is on the bad end of that spectrum, just based yeah. on her marrying a murderer.
1: Yeah, because she probably, like, obviously she knew because her family covered it up, in my opinion, and every, yeah. a lot of other people's opinions.
0: Yeah, 100%, they did. Okay, so the crime is
1: now 33 years old. Medical report, um, so the medical report they have, no one can testify to it because the medical examiner has died. So they don't have a case basically unless they have another medical examiner that can testify that she died by homicide because um, like the medical report that was obviously done maybe didn't have enough for another medical examiner to be like, oh yeah, 100%. So they're starting from scratch here. Kind of.
0: That's shitty. Are they going to exhume the body? No.
1: So Clay. <laughs> is trying to get the body exhumed. Um, But her husband... Well, they're not even going to ask her husband. So the medical examiner basically tells Clay, like, hey, it's been 33 years old. There's a huge possibility that we might not be able to find anything even if we do exhume this body. Yeah, even if she was properly uh,
0: embalmed or whatever.
1: Yeah. So they give him all the information, and they're like, here's this possibility. And so despite that... Like Clay and the other people at the district attorney are like, no, like we believe in this. Like we need to, we need to get this case. Like let's let's continue to pursue this exhumation. So they obviously had to get the family's blessing to exhum the body, but they excluded Marshall from this. Um, But so they like talked to, um, I think obviously the great niece probably, and then Alan and. Um, I don't know if they got in touch with the other children, but um, or
0: who knows if her parents were still alive because they're yeah. be in their eighties, but they could still be around. That's not that old.
1: Yeah, that's true. So it just indicates that they they had to get the family's blessing, um, obviously to exhume the body, but they left Marshall out of that, and um, everybody was open to this because obviously they just want to get justice and they want answers because they are all, they know. They yeah. know better.
0: Everyone's literally just dealt with no justice even being pursued up to this point.
1: Yeah. So they're like, yes, absolutely. Exhume the body. Like, we are here for it. Fingers crossed. Like, yes, 100%. Yeah. We back you. Do your job. Okay. So um, they exhume the body, and the skeletal remains that they bring up are just like black because i guess water and like grass had seeped in or something um so the bones had just turned black so at this point they don't have a ton um so they're gonna have to look for skull fractures like bone fractures yeah um those types of things so yeah so the medical examiner is able to see that her nose had been broken multiple times um But, unfortunately, there was no skull fractures that could be determined lethal. So, when Clay and the other detective on the case hear this, they're just very bummed out and they just think this is the end of the road and they're like, shit, we did this for nothing.
0: And if anybody had listened to the original autopsy, then they would have had fresh results of, like, actual skin and cartilage and muscle and, like, bruises, proof
1: yeah because obviously the person who did the original death certificate made notes about these things, yeah, and like did it for this purpose, like to just be there because, yes, this was a homicide, this happened, yeah, otherwise that they would murder. have literally nothing Ugh,
0: they wouldn't even have been able to exhume the body, probably,
1: <clears throat> yeah, so. Unfortunately, they haven't found any skull fractures that could be lethal. So this was obviously devastating. Um, but the medical examiner continues to kind of rebuild her body, um, the bones. They were pretty much still in place in like the casket, so it wasn't like he had to figure out where they went. They were still kind of in the yeah, general like area. Archaeological
0: so, dig, it was
1: Yeah. So he's just like piecing it back together. Um and he's like, "All right, uh, this woman was violently strangled, and he could tell that because he found the hyoid the hyoid bone. Oh my gosh, if I could say it, the hyoid bone, um, and that was fractured.
0: And that's the one right in the neck that breaks if you're strangled. Yeah. Ah, uh, yay! Like, no, not
1: not yay, but, but yay. yay
0: that they found something that far after the fact when like." shit had seeped through the coffin and shit like
1: yeah thank goodness right so they were like okay so this bone is fractured and this was proof that she had been strangled um my notes exactly thank goodness this was so actually good. this was uh the thing yeah, that they actually yeah. had
0: yeah cause if there's like you could hit your head hard enough not to fracture your skull but to still cause a brain bleed and die yeah and like They would be able to see that at the time, but when you're just a skeleton, they're not going to be able to see that. No way. No way. So, like, thank goodness they found something. Like, not yay that anything happened to this poor woman. This story's fucking tragic, but thank fucking God that they found that.
1: Yeah, thank goodness that they found that because, like, they- They needed that. That was the one thing that they needed to kind of pursue this case and feel comfortable and confident like they got their information. Even if Marshall won't
0: admit to shit, we can still fucking prosecute the bastard.
1: Exactly. So um, obviously once this bone was crushed, um, they said she probably died within minutes and then someone placed her in that well. And by the same someone or the person that placed her in the well was obviously the same someone that strangled her to death. Yeah. And Clay Ryan, is obviously very confident that this someone was Marshall Moore. And uh, so because of the finding of the exhumation and the autopsy, they're able to pursue this case. Um, homicide at the hands of another while they're waiting. So while they're waiting for the official results of the autopsy um, to kind of be in writing, they go ahead and they're like, all right, we've got our stuff. It's in process. We're going to get Marshall in here for questioning. So Marshall was pretty stoic and didn't have a lot to say. Um, Marshall and Priscilla, his wife that he married three months after uh, when was found dead.
0: He's still uh, married to her like 32 years later? Yeah,
1: still married to her, still living in the same exact house across the street from that well. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, the well is, like, just a mound of dirt at this point. Yeah. But it, they're, they're still living in the same home.
0: Um, is there an address? Uh, I want to see you the know house. What?
1: I didn't even think of that, but... Is that weird? I want to no. see.
0: She's part of the Dixie Mafia. Like, it's probably going to be, like, a decent home.
1: Well, it was the house before, like, she was with him. Because it was the house that Gwen and Marshall lived in.
0: Yeah, so I want to see the house. Is that weird?
1: No, I didn't think of that, but just now because, I'm like, interested.
0: Priscilla is part of the Dixie Mafia, so I feel like her family has at least a little bit of money, so it's got to be a decent home for her to have lived in it for 30 years. Yeah. I'm um, not seeing it on my morbid curiosity, but... Uh, let's do it. Poor Gwendolyn. Let's see. Yeah, she got married when she was 15. Yeah, I don't
1: know exactly.
0: She got married when she was a baby. My niece is 15. Yeah. And then she was just abused for 15 years. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I just was curious to what the house looked like because I'm a fucking weirdo. But it doesn't matter. (laughs) Just the fact that they lived in the house for the next 30 years, it was probably a decent house.
1: Yeah, so um in this new up to date interview with Clay, Marshall admits to slapping Gwendolyn to the ground because he was upset that the kids were at the swimming pool that day. And so I guess after smacking her around, he goes to get the kids and that's probably when she went to the neighbors and got under the house. And apparently uh Marshall's Smacked like, her Yeah,
0: that's, yeah like she was fucking bloody and both of her eyes were almost swollen shut but yeah you just smacked her around like fuck
1: yeah us. so obviously when he got back from picking the kids up from the pool Gwendolyn was gone and that was the last he had seen of her according to his uh-huh, sure. interview
0: um and she just wound up strangled to death in the well across the street yeah
1: weird Ex- exactly so weird uh, so, as the interview progressed, uh, Marshall seemed like he was justified in what he did. He's, he made comments like, I don't know what everyone is so upset about. She was just a drunk. So, he said all these awful things. Of course. Um, that none of which were ever, like, confirmed from anything that I had access to. No, of course not. Um, he was he trying was, to excuse yeah. his
0: behavior or, like, lie about what happened. Yeah, like, exactly. lies. She was just a poor, abused woman. Yeah, he was
1: just... He yeah, was probably too afraid so, of
0: retribution. Retribution. Probably. To kill Priscilla. Yeah. Like, honestly, with the Dixie Mafia. He couldn't have gotten away with that, so...
1: Oh, yeah, no way. Least... He would have definitely uh, been swimming with
0: the fishes. But there's no way he wasn't abusive to her, either, so...
1: Right. Fuck this motherfucker. So, um... Marshall literally had no remorse whatsoever. Like he never was like, "No, I didn't kill her." He admitted to beating her up, and he admitted admitted to that. No problem. He just had no remorse. He didn't think he was doing anything wrong. That was just another day, uh, in the life. She deserved you know? it. It's fine. Yeah, totally. It's fine. One hundred percent. You're good. Uh, it's totally acceptable. So, um, Marshall stated to clay also in this interview that sheriff bailey asked him to submit to a polygraph and then sheriff bailey also told marshall that if anyone asks you tell them that you passed the polygraph it turns out he probably didn't even ever pass the polygraph but this definitely supports the theory that there was some cover-up because marshall is telling this to clay bryant in this interview (laughs)
0: <laughs> I like I'm speechless. Like literally jaw drop speechless. Yeah. Like, Sheriff so, like, well I know you're dating that Priscilla girl, so just tell everybody you pass, it's fine.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll take care of it on my end. You, <coughs> know, you just spread the word. <coughs> um <coughs> So obviously at this point <coughs> Again, not at this point, like from the beginning. Yeah. Alan's obviously sad. Um, but like cause shortly after this, uh obviously Marshall's getting arrested because they're like, Okay, bro, we yeah. got you now, like whatever.
0: We have proof she was murdered and we have Yeah your confession that you beat her the day before her murder and that the sheriff just told you to say you passed the polygraph, which don't hold up in court anyways in the two thousands. So Yeah. bye go to prison. So, yes. See you
1: later. So um,
0: 32, thirty-two years too late, but whatever. Better late than never. Yeah, I guess. Right.
1: Better late than never. He was um, free.
0: So obviously, for longer than she was alive, he was free after she died. Oh, for longer than her entire life. Yeah, so that's, that's great. terrible. Yeah.
1: uh Oh. Yeah.
0: That's yeah, that looks you know, shitty. He should have gone to prison the day they found her body. Yeah,
1: 100% because they had plenty of fucking evidence. And if they didn't take him to prison that day, at least when they got the stupid autopsy or whatever, the death certificate. He's done
0: an investigation. Obviously. Uh Listen to his 15-year-old son saying, my dad killed my mom.
1: And he's going to kill me too if you don't take him away.
0: No, but he got to be free for the next 33 plus years.
1: yeah freaking fabulous so obviously when this day comes alan's sad because he's like yeah it's my dad but he was also like upset like how could you do this you were the one that was supposed to protect us you know all the thoughts that are valid you know what the hell
0: up until this point maybe you have just like one percent of hope that like they're going to prove someone else did it, you know? Yeah. And your dad's not a murderer because then you have to think about the fact that like his blood's in you, you know, His yeah. fucking abusive, shitty, murderous blood is, is half your DNA. And like that on top of the fact of like thinking your dad's a murderer and not having either of your parents for most of your life, like it's so many things to just compile onto yourself and there's gonna be like the tiny shred of hope that you're wrong and so it no matter how much you know it's the right thing it's gonna be hard the day he gets arrested like it's it's just gonna be confirming all those bad things you've always known i don't know right so um unfortunately
1: marshall had Root cancer. And so he was currently being treated at this point uh, when he was going to be arrested and like tried and stuff. So, because of his current treatment, he was released on bond. And so the trial was delayed also because of his treatment. So, Clay Bryant is clearly disappointed because he had the smoking gun and he wanted the world to know the truth about this case to get justice for Gwendolyn Moore. And it's still just going to get delayed. so For who knows
0: how long.
1: Yeah. So in the in, in the interim, while they're waiting for this case, um, another case falls into Clay Bryant's lap. And so I'm going to go more quickly through this one because it's a little shorter. Um, it's still very interesting. And I'm probably leaving out some of the details. But I want to tell this one as well just because it was in the same episode. And it's really good. Okay. Also so um, after this is kind of irrelevant to the, the story I guess so after they are waiting and after they arrest Marshall and whatever, there was this violent storm in their town and uh, the district attorney's truck was actually crushed by a pine tree and they took the, the truck to a body shop in the town and at the body shop, There was a man named Tim Wilkerson that worked there. And Tim Wilkerson, his father actually disappeared years ago. And so when the district attorney and Clay, he drove him down there or drove with him so that he could drop his truck off and leave, you know. So they're at this body shop and they're chit-chatting with Tim Wilkerson and so they get on the, the subject of his dad still being like a missing, dis, a disappearance. And so he's like, hey, I mean, if you guys don't
0: mind, like, you wanna look into this case? And so, I'm, so I know Clay works for the DA's office. But well, he's obviously part of the cold case department, or, like, he is the cold yeah, case he, department. Yeah, he's,
1: like, a, a district attorney uh, investigator for, like, these types for, of like, stuff. cold cases.
0: Yeah. Because these cold cases are falling in his lap.
1: Yeah, like, bam, here you go. Um, so this guy
0: heard that, and he was like, well, since you mentioned where <laughs> you work and what you do, uh, my dad...
1: Yeah, my That's dad's crazy. actually a missing person. Like we've we've never really got a conclusion on I this, so I'm if you wanna look into
0: it, so like if you could find my dad. Yeah. That'd be great.
1: Exactly. It'd be it'd be real cool. So they're like, All right, sure, like we are in the interim waiting for our other case, so this case so graciously just plopped right in my lap. So let's let's get to it.
0: My dad could be missing for all I know. I haven't talked to him since like July, so
1: oh. Well,
0: I hopefully know, your dad's uh, alive and well. He should be. Oh.
1: <laughs> so, um, Tim Tim goes on to tell these uh, district attorney guys, like, yeah, here's the background. My dad was wonderful. He was a perfect father. He was part of the Little League Baseball. He was the chief of volunteer fire department for years um, and all this stuff. So, it had been 16 years that he'd been missing at this point. And, and this so... Is like
0: 2003, 2003.
1: <clears throat> Yeah, 2002, 2003-ish. Um, Early 2000s. Yeah. And so he had been missing for 16 years at this point. And so they kind of start from the beginning, kind of familiarizing themselves with Fred Wilkerson and his family and the situation. And so... Uh, like I said, they agree to start going to work, and they begin reviewing the case file. So, Fred Wilkerson's car was found at the Atlanta airport, but it had been wiped clean of fingerprints, and there was two
0: uncashed
1: payroll checks in the console of his car.
0: Um, yeah, if you're gonna run away, you're gonna want all the money you can get. So, yeah, check cashing place and cash those with your ID. If you don't want to deposit them in your bank, like, come on,
1: exactly. And so, according to the good old GBI, there are favorite people. These episode or this episode, Georgia Bureau uh, of Investigation. Yeah, Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Um, according to those guys. Fred just left to start a new life. Mm -hmm. But he left his car that was wiped down for fingerprints and and his two payroll checks.
0: Yeah, like straight up cash money. You don't want to take that when you're going to leave and start a new life. Who needs money in that case?
1: (laughs) No one needs money to start a new life. He was just going to... I don't know. So, stupid theory. Like... Stupid, stupid, stupid. Uh, but because of this, Clay's like, this is sketch. Like, this is not a missing persons case. But we're pretty sure this is a murder case. Because, like, why would his car be wiped down? Why would he leave these payroll checks? Like, there's so many red flags.
0: Yeah. Like, But, like, an adult man that just goes missing. They're like, oh, he ran away. There's no body. Yeah. There's no blood. There's no obvious... <laughs> struggle right. like we're just gonna assume he didn't want to be an adult anymore and ran away because it's easier but the family's like no no like yeah dad wasn't he was involved he didn't cash his last two checks he would have at least just literally right. gone to the bank and cash those like no one's gonna leave two. like that's the biggest evidence that he didn't right. run away he literally could have just went and cashed two payroll checks to start his new life and had cash in his pocket.
1: Yeah. So super red flag. So, um, like I said, he's been missing for 16 years and Tim, his son is discouraged because he's obviously been let down by other investigators because they like don't find anything or they just don't give two shits. There's like nothing
0: Um, for me to go off of here. Sorry, man. Bye.
1: Yeah. And so, he was really hopeful in this situation because um, Clay actually came to his house and started from the beginning, started like getting the nitty gritty, and so he's like, "Man, this guy really means business. Like, this guy's—he's gonna run with this." Yeah, so that's great. Yeah. What? a so, hero. What?
0: A hero. Like, well, oh yeah, no, he
1: is—he's a super duper like hero for sure.
0: Yeah, like. <sighs> the world needs people like that.
1: Yeah, that's why I want to read his books because yeah. I'm like, okay, I want to read his books. Dude. Also, yeah.
0: just from hearing you tell the story, and like, I want to read this guy's stories about him being a fucking hero.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's a book for this Fred Wilkerson murder as well, I believe. Um, or if there's not one yet, it's in the works. Um, so, but, um, so. Back to kind of the beginning with Fred, he had gone in a relationship with a a woman that he had worked with. Um, However, um, he had been married to his wife for 22 years, but he ended up leaving his wife for this woman that he worked with. And this woman is Connie Quedens. And no one really understood why this happened, because he's like, he was in what seemed to be a happy marriage, a happy
0: life for 22 years. Yeah, but but, like time wears on relationships and you fall into contentedness and then you find something that excites you again. Like I don't don't question that, I guess. Not that it's good, like you need to work to just keep your relationship happy and healthy and that's not something that was that well understood and still people struggle with to this day. So I'm not saying it's okay but I get it. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, I agree. Uh, so Tim, from the start, never liked this woman, Connie, though. He was like, she's trouble. I don't know. I don't know about her. Um, so he leaves his wife after 22 years for this woman, Connie, and then he decides, Fred decides he's going to purchase this big old plot of land and he's going to build a home on it for the two of them. It was 23 acres of land, and he built a dream home. Um, Yeah, he spent every last penny he had, and he did this to please Connie, and he even ended up borrowing money from a friend because he ran out of money, but Connie wanted a pool. So he borrowed money from a friend so that he could install a pool at this new home.
0: Oh, no. Talk about a midlife crisis. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah, midlife crisis for sure. Uh, So all his money's gone. He's got this big property. He's got this nice home. Um, He thinks Connie is so pleased because it's everything she wanted. Um, And they hadn't been like together or dating or exclusive or serious for, for very long at this point. But once this house was built, Connie had her two children and Tim. And they moved in. Um, this house that Fred built, and so shortly after they move in, Connie asks Fred for the to deed the house over to her to help her in her custody battle oh because God, she's sad. having this custody battle with her ex-husband. Uh, well, Fred, Fred's not very smart. He ends up deeding the entire house over to her, not just like. Joint, but just yeah, not but adding out. her name
0: to it. No, he just gave it to her Yeah, the yeah. Uh,
1: What the yeah. fuck? I have no idea what was going through this man's well, mind. He.
0: No wonder the police were just like he ran away. <clears throat> he was obviously going through a midlife crisis. His new girlfriend that he left his wife of 22 years for dumped him. He ran away with another young girl. Case closed by E.
1: Oh yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, But that's probably, probably accurate. And so after all this happened, like I said, this was very quick to happen. It wasn't, it didn't take long. Um, So Tim is actually over because he lived with them as well or whatever. And one night for whatever reason, Tim says that like there was nothing that happened. There wasn't any crazy argument or whatever. Or there might have been like an argument that she kind of instigated and so he might have said some things or whatever but that was the but it wasn't
0: like screaming and fighting and throwing yeah nothing like
1: that it was like the extent of it however Connie called the cops and told them that Fred and Tim were chasing her around the house with an axe yeah so she over exaggerated this and so obviously she tells them like, you need to get your things and you need to, you need to leave.
0: This is my house. Bye.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, basically, Fred spends all his money, wastes all of his money, every penny. He's broke. And now he's kicked out of his, uh, his home. But yeah. that's not his home anymore because yeah, he deeded it to Connie. Oh, my God. Uh, so, obviously, after this, he just gets kicked out. And then shortly after, Fred didn't show up for work the next Few days so Tim filed his son filed a missing persons report and he was like, a was like, uh, yeah, I think so. He was, yeah, probably like a teen. I didn't ever make note or I don't think they ever mentioned how old he was when yeah. this happened.
0: It just said when he met Clay, but, he was 16 years after his dad disappeared, so he was probably late teens. Who knows? Um, yeah. Fuck. 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 Fuck freaking nuts.
1: Yeah, so Tim and his dad, Fred, are living together, and so they have their routine, and Tim's like, hey, something's wrong, like, me and my dad, we know, like, we would leave stinky notes around the house, like, if we were leaving for an hour, we would leave a note so that we knew where each other
0: was, you know? My dad's not going to tell me about, my dad's not going to not tell me about his shitty decisions if he's running away with some new woman because right. he told me about all of his other shitty decisions with this woman like he he was open about his shitty decisions he would have told me.
1: Yeah, he's like this is way out of character for him to just disappear like this isn't this isn't my dad.
0: Yeah. That
1: sucks. Yeah. So um then another Troop County sheriff, because this is in the same county, Troop County, Georgia, um, Mike Newsom. He was a uh, Troop County sheriff investigator, spoke to Connie and questioned her. Is it in the shitty uh, county or the good The shitty county. Okay,
0: okay.
1: This was Sheriff so, Bailey's county.
0: Sheriff Bailey, not Sheriff Buddy.
1: Yeah, Sheriff Bailey. Okay. Uh, so this sheriff or this investigator spoke to Connie after his disappearance and he questioned her but i mean after asking her the questions he never had any evidence to arrest her um she just said all the right things and he whatever
0: you know she, she answered his questions and they didn't yeah. find a body so
1: right so a few weeks after christmas in 1987 fred's car is located at the airport so that's what we heard about in the very beginning um, and then obviously things are starting to like look weird because once fred was out of the picture connie's ex husband came and moved in with her in the house and so clay is putting all this together and is like hmm so connie's husband gained financially from this like disappearance and this whole situation so maybe at this point he might be a suspect or
0: fucking Connie, but
1: whatever. <laughs> yeah, so at least the two of them. Um, so Gary was her ex-husband that now moved in. And so he's obviously questioned. And Gary's like, no, you know, like we, me and my boys were in South Florida during this time. Um, like I've got an alibi. The car had transmission problems. So we were stuck in Tampa and I had to actually purchase a new vehicle while I was down there. So. Uh, Clay was able to call the dealership and confirm this, and they were like, "Okay, well, you got an alibi for the time where Fred Wilkerson was killed. Uh, however, Clay still suspects like he had some involvement, maybe even a little, but obviously, he's got an alibi. He wasn't there when it happened, but I mean, he may have known about or it' been
0: part of the planning because yeah, obviously, um that's crazy he could confirm his alibi." <laughs> 16 years later.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, I guess when you buy a car, you know. Yeah, that shit
0: goes on record, but wow. (laughs)
1: Right. Freaking nuts. Uh, So in 1994, Connie filed a petition in probate court to actually have Fred declared um, dead because she had held a life insurance policy on him for over $30,000 for all this time. Of course and so she she continued to pay those premiums she she upheld this policy for for years um so 87 94 so almost so this would have been 7 years later 7 years after his his disappearance uh so some investigators said that there was no motive there like that that wasn't really a questionable thing but they were like hmm i i
0: think that's questionable so $30,000 in 1994 would yeah. be worth $55,000 today. So a little more than a half a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I mean, she already got the property, the 20 plus acres. Of <laughs> home yeah. The how much,
1: who knows how much money that property was. Uh, so Tim Wilkerson's lawyer got information in 1994 also, but the police never followed up on the lead. So the information that they got was from Lisa Holderman. um, And this woman came with a tip and she described Connie's, uh, let's see, Lisa Holderman. Okay, so it was the woman that they got the information from. And so backing up, so when Lisa is being interviewed on this show, she's like, well, Connie is basically kind of like a master manipulator like she's super nice when she needs to be and uh, loving or whatever but she's a snake and she will just slither right under you and take you for everything you've got obviously uh yeah so back in 1994 um this tip that Lisa said was like hey uh you know Connie she asked me the day that this man's car, Fred's car, was found, Connie asked me if I could drive her car to the airport and pick her up. She just said, head to the airport and pick me up in front of the terminals. Um, so the cops got this information in 1994 and never followed up on it, never spoke with Lisa, nothing. So that just was a tip that they had that never went anywhere.
0: So like this guy's missing. We found his car at the airport we have firsthand evidence that his girlfriend that just took him for everything he had was picked up at the airport that day by someone else in her own vehicle. But yeah, mm, he probably ran away. Let's not worry about it. Cool.
1: Right. Um, so at the time, Lisa obviously had no, or was it Lisa or Laura? <laughs> Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa obviously like had no reason to question like sure I'll pick you up from the airport like whatever but um when she sees in the newspaper seven years later that Fred's car was left at the airport um on that day she just remembers and she's like oh my god like the alarm bells start
0: ringing yeah this and- bitch got his house in this property and then moved her ex-husband in, in the house like yeah. Yeah. Ring some fucking bells.
1: So then Lisa's like, shit, I think I picked up Connie after she disposed slash planted Fred's car at the airport. Um and ironically enough, on Connie Queden's property there was an old well. Oh and so she was having like years back, uh probably in like eighty seven when the guy disappeared. It didn't specify, but I assume that makes sense with the timeline. So, she was having all these people throw stuff and, like, dirt and land from the property to fill up this well. And so, Lisa's like, we didn't know it at the time, but we were just essentially covering up Fred's body. Like, we she were burying, burying Fred's body. dead body.
0: Oh, my God. Another well murder.
1: Yeah. So, um, she's like, holy shit. And so... Obviously, they're still waiting for Marshall Moore's trial. So Clay's like, shit, I think we have another case, though. Like, they have a very strong indication of the location of Fred's body. Um, Lisa had obviously kind of described Connie as this conniving, like, snake uh, that could be whoever you wanted her to be. But she'll definitely, like, she's evil and she's not above anything.
0: And Obviously, person, probable
1: cause, hopefully. yeah. So, um, with all this information, they're like, Okay, you know, we're gonna try to get a search warrant and search the property. So, in September of 2003, 16 years after Fred's disappearance, um, they get this search warrant to go search the property. So, Clay shows up and he's like, Immediately when I got there, you could tell from her demeanor that she knew that we were there for business um, because in 87, she denied having contact with Fred Wilkerson. And now, now that they're there talking to her again, kind of trying to reinvent the the time or whatever, she has all kinds of different stories. She says, Friday night after Thanksgiving, Fred came over to her house to discuss their situation yada yada um but this was never any any part of her story back in 87 yeah weird yeah so she's lying they're like she's either lying now or she was lying then but i'm thinking it's now
0: yeah she was (laughs) just not saying a lot of things back then now she's saying a lot of things that aren't true and she remembers it was like thanksgiving weekend or whatever that right. That's very specific. Like, yeah,
1: mm, super okay. specific. So, um, also, Clay's like, Oh, you had a need for filling up an old well shortly after the disappearance, too. Hmm. And uh, he's like, So, we're going to go ahead and conduct a search of your property. And we're going to go ahead and begin at the top of the hill where that old well used to be or where it was. Um, and then she got even weirder. Like, her demeanor changed even more and
0: what story can i tell to cover up the body exactly
1: so clay's like if we find fred's remains you know like you're you're gonna be arrested right right here and like no questions asked and uh she goes if there's a if he's in there i don't know anything about it that's what she says to clay (laughs) so Um, they were initially having trouble finding the well, but because Tim obviously that was his father's property, yeah. uh, he was able to help them find the well and he's like, Hey, this is where it is. So he tells them where it is and then he goes and stays back um on the highway and there's like all kinds of people gathered, you know, like ooh, what are they gonna find? Yeah. What are they digging for? All the uh nosy Nancy's and all that stuff. Oh, that um of- Yeah, and the immediate family was there too. So that's good. I guess I don't
0: think it's so sad.
1: Yeah. So um Connie never mentioned that Lisa came over, um, and that you had like Connie never mentioned that she had Lisa pick her up from the airport. And so uh Connie, as we said earlier, is just coming up with all these crazy stories that no one ever heard before. Um she didn't say or she said she didn't want Fred's car at her house because her ex-husband Gary would, would be there so the only place she could think to take it was the airport so that was her excuse for that um yeah of course, great,
0: so great excuse ex- lady like so as I'm I'm annoyed she yeah. has any excuse for it but fuck
1: exactly all. Uh, so dumb so um, as the time goes by, she keeps burying herself with her own words. Like, just yeah. saying all kinds of stupid shit. Like, okay, you should probably stop talking. Yeah, get a um, lawyer.
0: Just fucking yeah. lawyer up, dumbass.
1: Right. But, I mean, it's still imperative at this point that they find the body of Fred. So, oh, yeah. they're banking on that.
0: I don't want her to lawyer up. I just, I'm like, just stop talking. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. So, a little while after lunchtime because they've been searching the property for a while, Uh, Clay gets a radio call that human remains have been found. And at that time, they immediately arrest Connie for the murder of Fred Wilkinson and so this is such a huge relief for the family and they're just like oh my god after 16 years we finally have some closure like yeah. we knew it was this fucking lady the whole time but obviously but again, there's
0: that 1% of doubt that's like yep. maybe he ran away and left us you know like maybe he's out there somewhere and he just doesn't care about us and it's like no that's not the case just like poor yeah. fucking Alan there's that like tiny sliver of hope that your dad's not a murderer. I was like, no, you're right, he is. But you just need the like, yeah. fucking closure to like know you're correct and move on and grow and like yeah. just deal with the reality of losing one of your parents.
1: Yeah. So, um, at this point, they're all prepared to go to trial for both of the cases: Connie's case and um, <clears throat> Marshall's trial. Or so. Because of Marshall's cancer treatments that he's still going through, Connie's trial is first. So they actually brought the remains of Fred's body into the courtroom um, for the trial. And so they were able to find DNA on a femur bone. And they also, on his skull, they saw that Fred was shot in the back of the head execution style because there was just like a hole from a bullet in the back of his skull.
0: Again in the least awful way i'm gonna say thank goodness thank goodness it was very obvious murder oh yeah like yes not thank goodness he died but thank goodness yeah there was proof on the skeleton that he was murdered
1: yes for the that's very closure. helpful yeah um yeah so that was freaking awful um And then Gary Quedens, Connie Quedens' ex-husband, obviously still denies any participation, um, but he also testified against, um, oh my God, in my notes, my typing was a little off. So I put, I meant to put, he testified against his ex-wife, but I put, he testified against high-sex wife. (laughs) (laughs) High-sex wife. Uh, so he he testified against Connie at the trial in November 2004. And so he was granted immunity from prosecution. So hopefully he really wasn't involved.
0: I mean, he um, has a pretty good alibi if it can hold up 16 years later. So yeah. hopefully so, he wasn't involved.
1: Yeah. Hopefully he just had no idea at all. Because I feel like,
0: I don't know. She I, like I don't a think user, he did. And she just seems like a user. So. yeah she's
1: definitely a user for sure um so her trial only took three days and the jury finds her guilty so uh thank goodness for that and then i put laura lisa now i'm confused i don't know if her name is lisa holderman or laura holderman because i have it both listed in my notes i think it's lisa
0: in most of the spots so let's go with lisa
1: yeah i think it was probably lisa so um Lisa, in her interview at the end, she's like, if Connie ever gets out, I think that she would come looking for me, and she would definitely want to get revenge, so she's like, hopefully she never gets out. Yeah, um, let's hope not. So, yeah, that's that shitty story, um, but thankfully we got answers, and yeah. she went to trial and
0: was guilty. And he got justice within 17 years, because trials take a yeah. while, probably. Um. I don't think I could ever be on a murder trial. I just want to state that again. <laughs> I know I've yeah. stated it in the past. I just don't think I could do it. Is it like I get too emotionally invested in all of the people related to the victim's Yeah, emotions. And I'm just like, oh, God. Oh. Like, I don't think I could do it. And then the family yeah. members of the fucking person being tried for the murder. Like, I, I just don't think I could do it. Okay, so yeah. fucking throat cancer Marshall.
1: All right, so back to Marshall Moore. So his trial continues to get delayed because of the cancer treatments, um, and obviously over time his physical condition gets goes downhill. I hope he's a lot of pain. Yeah, unfortunately he ends up passing in two thousand five before he ever stood trial. But <sighs> that sucks. even yeah, it's freaking awful, and no more awful, huh?
0: He served no time in prison.
1: No time. No. no time in prison. I mean, he served probably like a couple days or maybe no, a, a day while they were probably, like, oh, yeah. you're arrested. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Um, so one of the nurses that actually cared for him uh, contacted Clay Bryant and said some of the stuff that Marshall said um, to her. And she goes, Mr. Moore said to me one day that he wanted to know if, if I was scared of him. And when I said no, he goes, well, they call me the boogeyman and whispered to her that they call him that because he killed his first wife. And so she's like, Oh, and so obviously in Marshall's dying days, he believes that he got away with this. And obviously, I mean, to an extent he did, because like you said, he didn't serve a day in, in prison. He did.
0: He was never convicted. There's not yeah. real closure. Everyone knows he fucking did it. Except maybe fucking Priscilla. Like, and he knows. He, She's got it. Oh. People can live in a lot of fucking denial. I don't know. And maybe his <clears throat> two younger sons don't want to believe that. And maybe once Priscilla came around, that fear kind of kept him in check of the Dixi, Dixie Mafia. So maybe yeah. his younger kids did have like a less abuse because of that, but fuck that. He got away with it. He did. He got away with it.
1: Yeah, so that's the unfortunate story, but um, obviously, I mean, Clay Bray is a freaking rock
0: star, yeah, and... just pursuing these cases and making progress on cold cases mm-hmm. that are 30, 16, however many years old, like, yeah. those families still deserve answers and justice, right. and not this bullshit accidental death nonsense
1: yeah accidental death my freaking ass yeah it's such bullshit yeah so thank goodness um i mean he was able to get closure on both of these cases and so yeah. at the end alan moore is like man clay Bryant is my hero like he wasn't afraid to rattle a tree like when he gets his teeth on you you're caught basically like he Alan was like, I would not want Clay Bryant on my bad side. I'm happy to be close friends with him. And I really appreciate that he gave me some peace. Um, So he's just at peace. And he's glad that he can finally know that his mom's at peace.
0: Yeah. And that someone believed him. And he got answered for himself. Even though, like, Marshall just lived the rest of his life as he would have otherwise. That yeah. sucks and that makes me really angry, but at least he was outed before his death and he's not remembered as just like a nice guy. Thought yeah. Sucks, so. It's
1: terrible that he didn't make it to trial, but like you said, at least you know the the truth is exposed and yeah, like he's a there. piece of shit. So that's a good story, uh, Amber. Right. Story I really is, liked that yeah, one. Yeah,
0: that was intense.
1: And yeah a lot and really and sad then,
0: i feel like maybe we need to put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode for domestic violence oh like, yeah i guess like first they, half of your story both. really got to me
1: yeah um a lot the last thing that is kind of like just a quote from clay bryant is one of the things this is probably not word for word but at the end he he basically just says, like, the greatest satisfaction that you can get in life is when you help someone who couldn't help themselves. Oh, so nice. that's why he obviously, I mean, does what he does. That's why he enjoys what he does so much. Um, and this just brought him a lot of peace because the Marshall Moore case, I mean, started with his father. Yeah, his father could never do that.
0: He saw so, it, and he didn't get answers when he was a yeah. child, teenager. <sighs> what a hero! He's a goddamn yeah, hero. no
1: i'm really a big fan of this guy and i'm like i want to read all of these
0: books yeah i want to hear more of his cold case solvings and stuff that was fun yeah good job
1: thanks i really liked that one and i got really into it like i was doing my notes and stuff and aaron's like man you're doing a really good report
0: this week and i'm like this is intense (laughs) i'm like i like this one yeah no that was that was a lot that was good um and terrible also yeah i mean it's
1: (laughs) it's definitely terrible but um hopefully it kept everybody intrigued and wanting to know the outcome
0: yeah next week y'all are gonna hear our halloween episode it's
1: gonna be so much fun but it's gonna be a lot so uh be prepared
0: (laughs) yeah it's not true crimey if it's not your thing just skip it and if it is enjoy and then after that probably hawaii i think
1: yeah, Hawaii is after Halloween.
0: Alright, see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.